And after this, Jesus doing that all things were now accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it on uh, to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Before he said, I was, it is finished, he said, I thirst. So that's what I want to sing about today. It's about Jesus saying, I thirst. like a river it wells up inside me bringing mercy and life giving love he said I thirst yet he made the river he said I thirst Yet he made the sea. I thirst, said the king of the ages. In his great thirst, he brought water to me. He said, I thirst. Yet he made the river. 
Jesus did for us. Thank you. Well, that was something new. I've always played the guitar, and now I have to listen to myself sing with a tape. The problem with a tape is that it doesn't give. If you make a mistake, you better keep on going because it's not going to stop. Now, when you play the guitar, you can play an extra chord here and there and, and until you catch up, but I can't do that anymore. So I'm very thankful for what Jesus did for me and given me this wonderful, wonderful life to be able to praise him. I want to turn now to a passage found in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. This has always been a very uh, exciting scripture and been a very important scripture to me. And I want to start with verse 7. When Paul said to the, his church of joy, he said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward forward to the things which are ahead I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus well things change having to sit in this chair and preach to you is a change for me but now that I've retired I've been bringing things home my problem is I don't have things to go in my home. I, they're already full of my things. But the church at Monroe has still allowed me to keep some things, so I just keep bringing it home. I know Linda goes, oh, not another box. But here comes another box. And so just yesterday, I was standing looking at boxes of sermons that I had been preaching 
since I started uh, a few years ago. And I look in these boxes and I think, in these boxes, my life's work. Things that I had been studying and the scripture verses I have used and, the, and being able to share sermons and Bible stu studies. And so all of my life's work is in this box. <laughs> Not very much, is it? To think that when I started preaching at 15 years old and now 67, that's, that's quite a few years. That's over 50 years of sermons in this box. Some of them might not be worth preaching again, but they're still there. I saved every one. Well, the interesting thing is to realize that today is like the same thing for me being here with you. I'm going back now. And you know as well as I do, if some old person like me says, I remember when. You need to just, oh, here we come. Here comes, a, here comes another story or the same story that you say over and over. Here it comes again. Back in the good old days, have a, or I remember in the days when, or back in the day. Yeah. When I heard the word Sylvester, of course, I never knew Sylvester, but I knew Kemper. In my first two year, couple of years I was here, we gave Kemper Beasley a plaque, Kemper Sr., a plaque, for having been the Sunday school director of this church for 50 years. 50 years. That was way before I was even born back then. Now, that tells you how many years that goes back. And then as I was looking at Kemper, what is it, the fourth, standing here singing I remember when Kemper III stood here at the scene as well. And he was just about the same size. I remember this, Kemper. And so I can go back a ways and say, yeah, I remember when. But that's what I want us to understand. What Paul started doing here, if you look in this verse starting with verse 7, he had already been talking about the things that he had accomplished in his life the things that he would make any man proud. And he talks about, if you would look at these scriptures, how that he had kept the law since a child and how that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, that he was a Pharisee, and that he was also a protector of, of his faith where that he persecuted the church and anyone who would blaspheme the true religion, he thought, by this new Christian way that was followers of Jesus he went out and personally persecuted them because he was so zealous for who he was in his relationship with God. And then it all changed. He came to realize that so much that he had believed was false. That he believed that Jesus was a blasphemer and that he had been crucified like a criminal. And then all of a sudden, on the way to Damascus, Paul understood that he was in the presence of this Jesus who was the Christ. And his life changed. And things that he believed and things that he accomplished, that he had to rethink everything that he was when he came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. One day I decided that I would just sit down and write out my accomplishments, kind of like a resume just to remind myself what I had done 
And I began to look, I could write out a lot of things like my education and my background and all the things I accomplished in the church and how many times I stayed here and there and, and what other organizations I belonged to and was head of over the years. But I began to write and I realized I was not writing about things. My accomplishments was not about things. It was about my relationship. The greatest thing that was important to me is that I was a husband and a father and a grandfather and a family member and also that I was a pastor. And so I realized from that moment on that it was not just about the things that I had accomplished it was the relationships that the Lord had provided for me in my life. And to recognize that in those accomplishments, that's what summed up my life. For I, will, I had a desire to be not just a, an administrator, but I wanted to be a minister of the church. I didn't want to just have a, a personal status or achievement of being a father. I wanted to be a daddy. I didn't want to just be an acquaintance of many. I wanted to be a friend of those who I had been a part of their lives and they had been a part of mine. And so when I summed everything up in my life, I realized it was not what I had done, but who I had had the privilege of being a part with. It's about relationships. And I recognized at that moment that that was the most important truth in my life is that the Lord had provided me with relationships that were worth keeping and loving and talking about and desiring to be with. But Paul would go a step further in understanding what I did when he said, all these things were gained to me. When I began to talk about all the things that were important to me, these things I counted loss for Christ because there is one relationship that make all the other relationships worthwhile. There's one relationship that makes all other relationships kind of fall together, and that is my relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He affects our life and changes our life. I've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I recognize from that moment on that everything in my life had changed too, and that when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, things are different. The things that you used to think were not as important, I guess, as you look back and realize, it's not about what I've done. I could talk about all the meetings I attended and all the deacon things that I attended and all the business meetings that I attended and all the, the administration things that were part of the job. To realize and go back in the past and think about all the things I had done Nothing compared to the one great truth, and that is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he put it all together for me. Paul says, everything I have done, I've counted as loss compared to knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let's, let me read this again. But indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. When I read the scripture, I hear the passion that Paul has in his relationship to Jesus. 
My desire is to know that there is a passionate truth that keeps my heart beating every day. And that is that I know that I have been loved by Jesus Christ. That God loves me and well has loved you. That Jesus Christ has come into this world as the Savior of all souls who will believe and trust in him. That's why we're gathered in this room. We can talk about the past. We can look about coming back and talking to our old friends and family. To think about how things used to be. But to know one thing, that the greatest decision that you and I will ever make and what he calls us to do is to love him first and to know him as Savior and Lord. And so when Paul wrote in this scripture, what he wanted us to know is that my desire is to know Jesus the Christ. I pray that's your desire as well. I want you to see, can you feel the passion that comes out of the scripture? Oh, everything I've ever done and even everything that I have been is nothing compared to who Jesus is in my life. And it's not about my works for him. It's about his work for me when he gave his life on Calvary's cross. I want to know that. I want to know him. I want to allow him to be the Savior of my life. I want to know him now as Lord. So as you look at this scripture, you realize that there is a passion in Paul's life that would drive him to do the sufferings that he had gone through, to live for Christ every day, to move into areas and preach the gospel so that one person, two people, any person could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the calling of Paul, and I pray that's the calling of your, your life, the passionate knowledge that Jesus Christ has loved you and that he will continue to love you from now till eternity. I want you to look at some other scriptures in here. Indeed, I count all things for loss because I want to know the excellency of the knowledge of Christ as Jesus my Lord. And then he says what he, his desire was that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. To be found in him. To know who he is in my life. Not only to know, but to be known by him. And that he knows me. The thing that I want us to all remember is that as we are in this room together, there's one who knows our heart better than any other soul. You may have been in a relationship with a spouse or a family member or even a good friend for, for a long time, for decade after decade, and they may know you well enough they can finish your own sentences. Coming from Tennessee, I usually talk very slow. And most people want to finish my sentence, like, I remember when, you remember when what? <laughs> you know, the whole issue is the fact of trying to be able to get my words out fast enough that their ears won't stop listening. But here you have the fact that uh, he wants to be found in Christ. He wants to know Christ like Christ knows him. Now notice this other scripture. 
he's being he basically says that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I've already attained and am already perfected. Isn't it amazing that the great apostle Paul would say, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Our daughter Kristen has taken her three children to Florida for their vacation. She has a little boy that is so impatient. He doesn't want to go anywhere that's more than an hour from anywhere. So I can imagine as they left Madison Heights and drove down 29 and got to Lynchburg, Elijah was saying, are we there yet? <laughs> no, son, we only got about 13 more hours and we'll be there. Oh, I want to get there. I want to be there. The Apostle Paul wants to say to, to the people who are, who are reading his letter, I want to know him. I have a passion to know him more than I did yesterday. I'm not there yet. I have a ways to go. There's nothing perfect in me. I've not attained all the truth. There's more to know. There's more to do, but I do know this. My Savior knows me. And the truth is that we understand this very moment that the Savior knows us. He knows all about us. No matter how much we know about him, he knows everything about us. And then I want you to notice the second thing. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. Now, just before he said that, he says, I press on. And then he also says that I lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. To reach out and to grasp. I still am amazed that the Lord Jesus would reach out and grasp even me. I often said this, that the Lord loves me. The Lord knows me, and the Lord loves me anyway. And the amazing thing about that is that he has laid hold on me. All of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, he's put his claim on you, sealed by the Holy Spirit, but also to know that he has grasped a hold of you. Jesus said that the Father, nothing shall pluck us from the Father's hand because Jesus has grasped us. It's like he's spiritually bear-hugged us to know that he is not going to let go. And when things are rough, he's not going to let go. When things are undetermined in our future, he will not let go. When we look ahead and think, what's, what's just in the next day? Never fear. He's laying hold. He will not let go. But what Paul's desire is, I want to lay hold on to the one who's holding me. I want a deeper knowledge. I want a greater grasp. I want to be able to reach out and keep a hold of the Savior who has held me and changed me. If you look on, that's worth pressing on. That's worth continuing. That's worth to, uh, knowing that whatever may come my way, the Lord Jesus will passionately hang on to us. How do I know that it's passionately? 
the one who loved me so, the one who loves you so, went to the cross for you and me. And because of that, I would say that he loves you and me passionately, that he set before him the joy of the cross, laying hold on us, the gift of salvation. Today, the Apostle Paul says, is the same thing that you and I can say, that we're going to lay hold on the one who holds us so. And the passion to grip him more and more than we ever have before. To grow into the depth of relationship, but more than that, to understand that you are going to finish the race. You're going to fight the fight. You're going to not let go. You're going to love him now and win the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm here to encourage you today to understand and recognize this Savior who will not let you go, cause you to know him in a deeper way. And so what I'm asking you, is there anything in your life that keeps you from choosing to lay hold on Jesus? Is there anything in your life that would cause that, that feeling like you're going to slip away? To know that you can grasp him because he's grasping onto you. As if God was saying in Jesus, hold on to me. Don't let go because I've got you. I've got you. And there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing in this world, nothing in the world beyond that will separate us from the great love of Christ. So my call to you today is to recognize that you are called not to be separated, but to hold on to him. Today, I'm asking the question, are you holding on to Christ? Is there anything that stands in your way of loving Christ deeper than you did yesterday and deeper than the day before or years ago? My prayer for you is that nothing will come between you and the Savior. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dreams. I have renounced all sinful pleasures. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. So that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the lease of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. Nothing between like worldly pleasures. Habits of life, though harmless they seem. Must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all, there's nothing between, nothing between like pride or station. Self or friend shall not intervene, 
Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the lease of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between, nothing between. As you are here today, and maybe you're looking back now, maybe you're reviewing your life and thinking about all the things that you've done, you haven't done, and realizing that the most important truth in your life is what have you done in accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not letting anything stand between you and the God who loves you so today. If you are here today and you need to make a, a deeper decision for Christ, there's nothing between. Is there something in your life that has caused you to realize that you're not as close to where you want it to be? Please let there be nothing between. Today, I'm asking you passionately to know the Christ who already knows all about you. There's nothing between. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for the joy, the joy of, bringing, of being in your house, the joy of be being in this house, and sharing my life again with these that uh, I've loved dearly. But also to know that everyone in this room you love with a passion and a sacrifice. And that, Father, that's how we want to know you. That we'll give up everything that it will take in order to love you. And to realize that the glory in our life is not what we have done, but what you have done for us. So Father, I pray that your spirit will work among us. And thank you in Jesus name. Amen.